Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here, we're queer. Meh. Textual healing. Well, there's a new homophobe in the news, and in light of. Breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> in light of all these, uh, these uh, I don't know what the term would be, all, of all the. Um, the theatrics of little Nas X over the past few months and mm-hmm. his, you know, ability to really add some crazy gay representation through his music videos. Yeah. Um, we finally have hit a wall with the rapper DaBaby, who's quite popular, <laughs> by the name. Um, how, do you, how can you say the name and have baby. a straight face? DaBaby. Also, if you're yeah. of a certain age, you remember the the dinosaur. Remember the dinosaur? Yes. Not the mama. Not the Not mama. The- yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that came up on the podcast a couple weeks ago, which is. Yeah, it did. We talked about an episode. We talked about, we talked yeah. about dinosaurs like a month ago, which is weird like, we are the only is. podcast on the air. Right it was now. a gay rights. No, it was a gay rights episode where they did an allegory for vegetarians or something with gay people. Yes. And it was like, oh, a whole, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Also, the was, final episode is so strange because they, so strange. Like, the ice age begins and it's the most deep, dark, tragic ending to a show. It's such a good Damn series. Puppets. It's available on Disney Plus. I highly recommend people. Wow. Good to, know. Show, yes. but, Good to know. Um, but the baby was at a, a show in Miami, was doing the Rolling Loud show. And on stage, he made some horrifying comments. He said, if you didn't show, <laughs> said, if you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexual transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two or three weeks, then put your cell phone lighters up. <laughs> and he said, he said, fellas, if you ain't sucking dick in the parking lot, put your cell phone lighter up. And uh, then after widespread criticism, after that, he said that his fans aren't uh, nasty gay uh, N-words or junkies. So there was all this, chaos. he caused chaos. It was like yeah. a real clamp down. And I don't know if it was necessarily directed toward Little Nas X, but it was so deeply homophobic. So as you can imagine, he was, he essentially chose to apologize, but did it on Twitter and wrote, and, and so this is sort of like a half apology. Anybody who done ever done ever been affected by AIDS, HIV, y'all got the right to be upset. What I said was insensitive, even though I have no intentions of offending anybody. So my apologies. Okay, sure. And he says, but the LGBT community, I ain't tripping on y'all. Do you? Y'all, bu- y'all business is y'all business. As in, <laughs> you guys, like in, you know, translated yeah. like, yeah. be gross. Just do don't hit on me. So yeah. funny. And straight guys say that. Yeah. yeah. So ever since then, it's been a lot of uproar and there have been uh, consequences. He, he was pulled from uh, the Dua Lipa remix to um, 
Which so that was the big thing I was wondering because I mean Lady Gaga did something similar when mm. R. Kelly and everything with yeah. R. Kelly came out, even though I feel like she probably knew about that stuff before. She Actually, this, this brings up she was this. complicit. <laughs> this brings up a good question. Does Brent know who Dua Lipa is? I <laughs> I I know the name, but I don't know what oh, that is. She's the bop of the summer. Is. She's the bop of the summer. She oh last year. She's oh she's I thought she was like good. older. No, no, no. She's oh, probably she's in her twenties, late twenties. I don't know. Oh yeah, not even. But she's she's yeah, yeah she's like an Albanian American. Uh, she got big lead. legs, and did, I love did, her. Wait, did she tour with Lorena McKennett for a while? I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she opened for her. She opened for her for a while. Yeah. <laughs> she got a huge hit with Levitated, uh, Levit- Levitate, and the baby was levitating. On. And there was like a big push to remove him from the remix, and they did. I mean, but the song was huge. I mean, it was yeah, one yeah. of the biggest songs of the year. If not, yeah, the he summer. bought a house from it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, all that has happened, and. Um, you think he's signed as Da Baby? Do you think in the legal oh, papers yeah. he's Da Baby? Oh, baby. Yeah, no, sure. his his corporation is Da Baby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like with um, people like this, people who make comments like this, you know, we could go the route of the respectable route of having a conversation <clears throat> about how they're horrible people and they were wrong about what to say, or we could just make fun of them, just like just make, mm-hmm. just literally like obliterate them just by making fun of them. I think that's what we should start doing. But my concern is that the baby listens to this podcast. Oh, we'll ultimately, get into sort of like a, into a tit for tat, and that's that's a kind of conflict I just don't need in my life. Well, yeah, see, if he is listening, I will say that the baby probably has a baby-sized dick, and which is why he has to, in shows, sort of say these things because it takes away attention from his micropenis, which is, yeah. you know, something that I'm you're sure gonna get a lot. You're from. gonna get a lot of DMs from people with micropenises saying, "Which I support. Son I support. Of a bitch. You know, listen, to baby, if you want to send me a picture of your micropenis, please yeah. do. I'm here for what? it. Didn't didn't Ti take his side, Elliot? Yeah, Ti took his side, which, which is, is a bummer. Uh, he seemed like kind of like cool and fun. You is know? it? Is it T.I. or is it T.I.? Is it which, who, who took right. his side? It's T.I. and T.I. has been accused recently of- Oh, that's uh, right. I forgot about that. A bunch of, bunch of young girls. Um, right. I've never, he always weirded me out. There's something that's very skeezy about him and I don't know, but yeah. he took his side and Boozy Badass um, also took his side as well. Yeah. Um, boozy badass. I don't know boozy badass. I don't know boozy badass either. But uh, what's another thing that the baby did to sort to I guess kind of make amends and do it half-assedly was he released a new single and video days after this happened called "Giving What It's Supposed to Give," and he directed it. And there's a clip where it seemingly makes references to all, to this controversy. Where at one point in this video, he holds up a sign that says AIDS. Oh, uh, and the, the visual ends with the message spelled out in rainbow lettering that says, don't fight hate with hate. And then my apologies for being me the same way you want the freedom to be you. Oh God. Like, no, it's not the same See, thing. Again, I don't think we should be outraged. I think people should take this and write queer sex fan fiction about DaBaby, T.I., sure. all of them intimately loving each other well, in sexual ways. Well, to be fair, ways. he is Brent's taste. I think he's like I was. Five, I was just five, gonna say, oh wow. I was just gonna you say, like let's T.I.? Yeah, he's, he's very- I think T.I. is very- I love that you said, let me look them up. (laughs) Yeah, DaBaby is not, definitely not top quartile, but he's not, you know, the ugliest guy in the world. I'll say that. But I've heard he he has a microphone, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who is your hottest, who's the hottest like rapper to you? Oh. You know, I was- was Lil Nas X, 1000%, Lil Lil Nas X. 
Uh, I remember finding Ja Rule attractive. I remember finding Ja, ja Rule, Rule attractive. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm really bad at like, at, I'll think of it like tonight. I'll think of like a list of three or four. Um, yeah. And, but then, you know, I do, I do think uh, Little Nas X is pretty cute. Little yeah, Nas you know, X is a moment. I would definitely have just so many moments. The mm. hottest, I mean, if you ask me, the hottest rapper is ASAP Rocky. He's gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, look at him. A gorgeous man who dates Rihanna. So I, so it's not just me. He's he, well, and if it's Rihanna, if it's Rihanna approved, you know things are good. Things That's are right. good down. Things are good wait. downstairs. Wait, 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 <laughs> Elliot. Are you kidding? No, ASAP Rocky. This guy is not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. He's very attractive. <laughs> well, at he's least he's like, not the baby, not the mama, not the mama. <laughs> not even joking. Our guest today is quite officially the Real Housewives expert. Like, hands down, no holds bars. Like, he is the man. Brian Moylan. Brian, welcome. Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, very excited to be here to chat. I I just had a little like fear because every time we have a I'm terrible at names. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. And I always ask before a guest comes on, like, just make, I just want to make sure I'm saying your last name correct. Even though you have the most easiest last name ever, I still would like screw it up. So I'm sweating a little bit that I didn't ask that. And I'm so glad no, I got it. No, you said it right. all right. It's Brian Moylan. There's <laughs> too many like, Y's and N's and yeah, yes. it's a it's a mouthful. I love it. I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> now you're coming to us from London. Yes, I live in London. Um, I moved here like three years ago for my husband's job, mm. and so yeah, so we're here. And what is that London. like? Yeah, well, yeah. What's London like? You moved from New York to London, correct? Yeah. Um, everything closes early. It's Nobody wants to make friends. <laughs> okay. Uh, the it's reality television is excellent. Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, the but food? the weather is... So, so, you know how LA, the weather is like, it's so consistent. It's almost oppressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's the same thing here, but the consistency is 50 degrees and either about to rain or just rained oh see that's like literally my heaven you just described like the most endearing climate for me i love london so much i think it's i think it's one of my favorite i mean it definitely is one of my favorite cities just to visit and stay in for a long time it's just Mm. such a great city Mm. i have found it to be more fun to visit than to live in (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh my god well at least you've gotten to spend most of your time reading or researching and writing a book about the real housewives. Yeah, right. which I love, yes, by the way. Which one can do from anywhere. That's right. so, yeah. Now, question, is, are the real housewives, the US you know, franchise of real housewives, because the UK has their own reality television system, which is like insane and kind of more wild than even the US. So like, are the US housewives yes. franchises big in the UK as well? Not really. So there are there are two Housewives franchises in the UK, Real Housewives of Cheshire mm-hmm. and Real Housewives of Jersey, not to be confused with Real Housewives uh, New of New, right. New Jersey. Yes. Um, and they're okay. They're a little bit more budget and I, I don't love them. But so 
on the channel that there there's a channel here that's mostly shitty reality shows it's called itvb and they mm. air the housewives but they they're like two seasons behind so mm. it's mm. like weird um so housewives like people know of it but it's not nearly as big as it is in the u.s but the people that are into it are like super into it and they're really down to talk about it because none of their other friends watch it you know they're like starved of people of like a housewives yeah. community so the people that are into it are like you know yeah i get people all the time on like instagram or twitter like can we hang out and talk housewives because none of my friends watch it i'm like right i guess girl sure well hey there you go you can make a friend that way right yeah <laughs> i know that's like the only thing i have going for me yeah but yeah. i mean but that said the just because you are in the uk and i do i want to bring up one of the things that my boyfriend introduced me to that i had never known about but is literally one of the most iconic life-changing reality shows i've ever seen the only way is essex like that franchise is insane if you don't know about it it's, it's like a reality show it's it, 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 yeah. kind of it's like it's like a it's, hybrid thing that they do in the uk it's like if you cast the members of the jersey shore on the hills you would have the only Ooh. way is essex like it's, it's wild very glitzy and there's no uh like confessional interviews but yeah. everybody like essex is essentially the uk's new jersey right so it's, it's like that kind of it. like Got it. Yeah. yeah, but there's a woman on the only way is Essex, only way is Essex named Gemma Collins. Incom and if you're an American, my icon. <laughs> my icon. Um, yeah, reality fan, you need to do a deep dive on the GC as she calls herself. She is oh like, she is literally oh an God, inspiration for my drag. Like wow. she is like the perfect drag yeah. inspiration. She's just a character beyond. Hmm. So your so yeah. your book is She's called amazing. Your book is called um, The Housewives and it's uh, the real story behind The Real Housewives. So what uh, what drove you to write this book um, and, and how did you wrap your head around, do, you know, what is the book exactly and how did you come to do it? So um, I have been writing about The Housewives for a long time, doing like recaps and various and assorted other things. Um, and, and so, you know, had, uh, my name out in the housewives universe and then i read a book called bachelor nation which is about the bachelor franchise which i never really i don't really watch but as a fan of the reality television arts and sciences i was like oh i you know i'll read this book and it was fantastic it's written by this woman named amy kaufman who is a journalist for the la times and i was like why hasn't anyone done this for real housewives yeah. and so that was kind of uh, the journey I went on. And so it talks about like the behind the scenes, how the housewives get made, how the housewives get cast, uh, you know, the history of Bravo, the history of reality shows, mm. the history of soap operas, which really feeds into the housewives. And then, yeah. you know, what it says about us that we're so into this thing, like, why do we watch it? What's its yeah. cultural impact? Like about the fan communities that have cropped up around the housewives so i just wanted to give it like a 360 view of the whole phenomenon right you know so there is a fair amount of gossip but it's not it is yeah. you know just Wait, like well, oh this go ahead go ahead Brad. let me ask real go quick ahead. how because i'm curious how does it get cast like how do they select the the, the people the psychos that they put on these shows <laughs> Um, it's mostly how they cast most reality shows, but the yeah. difference 
for this as opposed to like Survivor or Big Brother is they're looking for people with organic connections to the women who are already on the show. And so they start by asking the women who are already on the show, like, who are your friends? But a lot of the times they don't want to volunteer because as we've seen in the last few seasons, like they cast two of Bronwyn Wyndham Burke's friends on Real Houses of Orange County and then gave her the boot. So, um, you know, they're often reticent to find their own replacement. But um, yeah, so they start with, you know, who the housewives know, who's hanging out at the same places they do, you know, people who their husbands might work together or they, you know, are in the same charity, they shop at the same places, like things like that. There's that weird thing where they pretend to, they sort of do that bizarre thing where they either pretend not to know each other or they, it's like that strange thing when they'll be like, we're introducing a new friend to the group. And it's like, wait, we all know this is a reality show. You all know this is a reality show. We all know how this works. So it's so inorganic for them to be like, have you met my new friend in our group? And it's like, that's not how the world works. (laughs) Yeah. But even crazier thing is, so I talked to Carrie Duber, who was on The Real Houses of Dallas for the book. And she told me that she introduced the producers to Cameron Westcott, who's on the show. Mm -hmm. And then when they introduced her, they introduced her as someone else's friend. And so it's like, wait, she's actually Carrie's friend who she brought to the show, but now they're like giving her, you know, aligning her with somebody else. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in the book is there are all these things that we as fans know are going on. Like we know these women are not paying for those trips. But we kind of love it. Yeah. And, And so I just wanted to acknowledge that we're not stupid. Yeah. Here's how it really works. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to make us love this thing any less, you know, but yeah, now we know, okay, here's exactly what goes down. I it have is- to tell you, I bought the book. I was at Target and I, I knew it was, I was, it was highly anticipated for me. And there's a Target literally <laughs> next door to my apartment. Mm-hmm. I ran, I never do this with books. So I'm a Kindle person. I ran out. I bought the physical book and read wow. it in a day. I, wow. I was obsessed with the book, I mean, I, I, I just because I love the housewives, but I, I, it's you're right. It is a 360 view of sort of like confirming that we're all in on the joke, that we know yes. all of these things that go on, and and in a weird way, you would think that as fans, you would feel slighted that that Bravo would think we're stupid or something. But in reality, I think it's kind of exciting to acknowledge that we're in on the joke, that we know that these trips right. are paid for. You know what I mean? Like as a fan, it's- I will say it, it is odd. The odd, another odd trope is when they're like, you know, we need a girl's trip. And it's like literally every, <laughs> every season of every housewives in the franchise, one or two moments where they're like, we need a girl's trip. And it's like, what, wait, we know it's fake. You know, we know it's fake. Like, like Alan's saying, it's true. It's like how much, if they respect the fandom, I guess. Get I, off I, on it. Yeah, I, that, I, yeah, you get off on it, that's true. I get well, off on I, it. <laughs> I wish that Bravo, like I feel a little bit slighted that Bravo has such a heavy control over its message and what people know and how much they know, it, et cetera. And I get that they're doing their jobs, but I'm also like, what, why? Like, you know, we're not gonna stop watching because we know these people pay for the trip. Right. But one of my favorite ever while we're talking about this is there was one trip where they went to Mexico. Oh my God, I think it was stop. the one where, on Real Housewives of New York, yes. where Luann falls in the bushes. Yes. But Bethany was hosting this trip and is like, Ramona, I think I might disinvite you because you're being mean to me. And then Ramona goes, no, I'm coming. 
Like I'm coming on this trip because it's like yeah. Ramona knows that she's contractually obligated to go on this trip and that she's going whether Bethany wants her to right. or not. And so, so you know, that Bethany's yeah. pretending like we, she can kick Ramona off the trip is just insane. You know, we had, the best the meaning on a couple of weeks ago and uh, I just was telling her and I, and happily that I, I think Ramona is, I think there's something neurologically wrong with that woman. I think she is ill and yeah. I think saying that she's still on TV. I think she's a nightmare monster. I don't, let's not get into the, because the, I mean, there I are know, a lot of listeners who don't know the specifics of who these women are. So like yeah, right. in general, the Ramona from New York is, she Ugh. is insane. But uh, speaking on the trips, probably like, and also one of, I think it represents something larger for the Real Housewives franchise. When one of the cast members, Jill from New York, literally just randomly showed up on a trip yeah like she she wasn't invited on a trip and then she just showed up and it showed <laughs> it showed bobby got he shot at a plane bobby shot at a plane yeah, <laughs> yeah. r.i.p bobby r.i.p bobby r.i.p but like it showed in a weird way that that sometimes the tensions between like it is actually reality tv because sometimes the tension even though it probably all was planned sure you feel it, you feel it in those moments. And as someone who's watching, like that's reality TV gold to have that kind of friction right in front of your face on a trip, like you have to confront it. It's incredible. But speaking about how they're planned, I think that this is one of the questions I get from people all the time is about like how planned or how scripted is that? How much do the producers have anything to do? Jill told the producers that she was gonna do something, but Jill came up with that all on her own. Well, that's so, great TV. You know, I, yeah, well, and I think fans are always like, oh, the producers told them to do that. Or Andy Cohen said, you know, they had to make up or whatever. But if anything, the calls are coming from inside the house. Like right. these women are, are <laughs> saying like, you know, we know what we need to make great television. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to show up and it's going to be TV gold. And, you know, a lot of times they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. But, right. you know, your book, yeah, also, so I, your book also talked about how Andy Cohen, a lot of people like to blame I mean, a lot of events on how like Andy Cohen basically decided like just randomly to get rid of someone or randomly to do something. When in reality, Andy Cohen now, he's not as an executive anymore. He's more just a personality on Bravo. He doesn't really have much say over the franchise, does he? Uh, not really. I mean, when he was definitely instrumental in the early stages of it, but you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Real Housewives creator, Real, you know, like that mm -hmm. Andy thought up this thing from whole cloth and it was really started by someone else named Scott Dunlap. Scott who had Dunlap, the idea right? first. Yeah, in California. Um, if with Real Houses of Orange County. And then, you know, Andy was one of the team at Bravo and, and there are a number of people, uh, Sherry Levine, mm -hmm. uh, Francis Barrick, who's still the head of Bravo, Lawrence Lasnik, who is at Bravo, who really were all shaping this thing. And so since Andy stopped working at Bravo, you know, he still hosts a reunion. He's still, they have weekly calls with the production companies that makes the make the shows talking about what's going on, who's fighting with who, so on and so forth. And so he can weigh in on those and he can, you know, he weighs in on the edits of the episodes, but not till the very end. And so it's, he's really just doing fine tuning and he still has a say, but he's just one of a number of voices in the room. And yeah. he's certainly not the most authoritative. Like there are yeah. definitely people who can veto him. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think that I call him the mascot in chief because I think that he gets a lot of the credit for the housewives and everything that goes on from the fans, but he also gets a lot of the flack. So yeah. when we're seeing issues around racism and 
diversity and things like that, people are coming at Andy Cohen. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's kind of, you know, he, he shouldn't get all the credit he deserves, but he shouldn't get all the blame he deserves either. So mm -hmm. I guess it all kind of yeah. evens itself out of it. Evens out in the walk. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me ask you, in researching the book, were there, like, what was, like, the biggest curveball? Was there any, like, tidbit or fact about production that you were, like, you had not anticipated at all? Um, I did not anticipate how much research Bravo does into everything that happens on the shows. Like they're, they're looking at what Twitter's saying about the women, what Twitter's saying about the shows, where they think the next city should be cast, where the women should go on trips, like who huh. the fans like and don't. They do tons of research into that. And that has a lot of decision, you know, a lot of power into the decisions that they make. So I was surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, one of my other favorite things is, um, you know, fans always love to say, especially with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, that, oh, they should cast Heather Locklear. Mm -hmm. They should cast um, Nicola Sheridan, all these people. Oh, she'd and be good. I talked to a casting director. Yeah, oh, she would be good. She'd be good. But so I talked to a casting director and she said, like, everyone that fans can think of, we have already approached. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that either they don't want to do it or Bravo doesn't want them. And she told me that there's like an Excel spreadsheet and they call it the forever no list. And it's people who <laughs> like, don't even bring them up. Like, we either don't want them or they don't want to do it. And one yeah. of the people on the forever no list is Heather Locklear because of course, they just of don't. Course. She's a liability. She's an insurance liability. I mean, that's <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's, that's not good. I gonna... mean, oh, if I could get my hands on the forever no list. Oh, oh my God, right. Oh, speaking of homosexual. Speaking Diane of Beverly, Weiss, Diane Di Weiss. Oh my, Diane Weiss would be so good. <laughs> She'd be a Ramona. She'd fully be a Ramona. Um, speaking of Beverly Hills, I do have to, cause you co-authored Erica Jane's book and Erica Jane probably right now in the ether, at least for any of you non-Housewives fan, they know about what's happening with Erica Jane because yeah. of the, the thing with her husband and the whole case and everything. So you co-authored her book. What's your like take on the legal situation? Just a roundup for people who don't know, like her husband, she's getting a divorce, but her husband is alleged to have stolen a lot of money from victims or his clients. You can explain it better, Brian. Yeah, so uh, Erica's husband's name is Tom Girardi and he started a law firm and he does like huge uh, personal liability cases. So it's like people uh, Aaron Brockovich and like stuff. clash actions lost Yeah. He was the lawyer in the Aaron Brockovich case that was yeah. famous. He was the first person to get a billion dollar settlement in California. And it was for like a clash class action lawsuit against pharmaceutical companies. And so he's represented like the families of plane crash victims, burn victim, you know, so he's really like fighting the man kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so it, it turns out he was basically running a Ponzi scheme, allegedly, allegedly, yeah. but where he was kind of taking money from one judgment to pay off the old judgments and kind of moving a lot of money around and misappropriating clients' money and living this kind of high-flying lifestyle. And yeah. um, so because Erica and he were married during this time, he, both he and his law firm have been put in involuntary bankruptcy. And so they're looking for all of his assets. And they think that Erica may have had some part in maybe hiding these assets. What do you think? Um, so I talked to Erica shortly before the season started airing. And, um, you know, she was totally taken by surprise. She had no idea this was coming. Um, and I think, she, you know, she's really going through it. She's having a hard time. And I think that 
um, you know, fans are quick to judge and saying, oh, I know she knew this, I know she knew that or whatever. But I think there's still a lot of lawyering to be done. And I think this thing is going to be going on for years. Mm, and I think yeah. that might be the hardest thing for her is that we're not going to know how much she had to do with it or where all the money is or if she's yeah. going to be charged or whatever for God knows how long. So, I mean, um, yeah, so I think that we... I'll need to wait and see how this plays out a bit. This yeah. is controversial, I know, but I'm going to say it. I am fully team Erica. I can't help mm. it. I can't <laughs> help it. I have the makeup. I have the, I have that. I have everything. I even have a pair of shoes, I think. I have like everything Erica's put out. It's a problem, I know. So I'm including her I'm, music? Yes, I have her music. And I was actually considering doing a lip sync to one of them. Thank you. Well, what's funny is that um, she she lip syncs to her own music. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric, Erica has some jams. I'm yes. not gonna lie. Like, yes, some of her songs are really good. Like They're good. the guy who wrote her first album is the guy who wrote Madonna's "Open Your Heart." Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so like she works with legit talent, and and yeah, I, I saw her live show a few years ago in LA. Mm -hmm, they filmed mm -hmm. it and and put it on the show and it was fantastic. I saw her perform live once too. I mean, live, quote unquote. And it was, it was deaf. I mean, she was physically there, but the, there was not, well, wasn't much right. coming out of her mouth. And, <laughs> no. and, and I was definitely but like, I mean, she's a drag queen. Everybody else really. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's not alone yeah. in that. I'm not making fun of her for that. She's, she's definitely, she's yeah. just, she's just, I mean, but then, but now because, because of what's happening with Tom, it is all kind of tainted in that, like, you know, you listen to the song and you watch yes. the video and you're like, oh wait, did victims of a plane crash like pay for this? Like that's sort of, that's where your mind immediately goes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and when she's singing, it's expensive to be me. It's yeah. not, it's like, oh, like mm -hmm. it hits differently now that we know what's going on. And I, yeah, I'm with you on that. And yeah. I just think that, you know, if she was in on what Tom was doing, yeah. then that's obviously awful. But I, you know, as someone who knows her and, think she wouldn't have done that yeah you know i'm giving her the benefit of waiting to see whereas i think a lot of fans are like i know she knew and i know this and so like, no, then they're not fans know? like they're not fans <laughs> oh no they're the ones that hated her to start with and exactly so now they're just like looking for a reason to yeah exactly. right <laughs> i wonder what 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 would you say is is it about the housewives franchises that um that has so much appeal to gay men and straight women and you know i mean yeah. it has so much gay appeal what where do you think that comes from i'm not sure and i interviewed a bunch of gay people when i was researching the book and i asked them all like why do you think gay people like this and i never really got a satisfactory answer i think some of it is just the classic gay love of crazy <laughs> ladies of a certain type you know like mm -hmm. the from you know, Joan Crawford to Britney Spears and mm. everyone in between. I think the yeah. housewives fit a lot into that. I think that we are great at grasping camp and irony. And there is something about that. I think we also see ourselves a little bit as outsiders, which yeah. I think mm -hmm. some of the housewives are a bit, you know, and that they're kind of underestimated and they're underdogs. I think like <clears throat> so much of why we love the real housewives, gay people, straight people, anything is really just multi-layered. And I think that's because it's 
real and that mm. these are real people. And some of them we love and some of them we hate, some of them we love to hate, some of them we like because we want to be like them, some we like because we absolutely don't want to be like them. Yeah. And I mm. think that it's that complicated emotion that has kept us interested for 15 plus years now. Well, it's also kind of like in a weird way, I think the celebration it's sort of like why I think gay men like you know the golden girls in a lot of ways it's sort of like yeah. these are these are women who in any other lane of entertainment it would be yes. their their spouse that would be the one that's famous yeah. not yes. them and and this is a show that doesn't care about that Lisa Rinna's married to Harry Hamlin although it's a funny joke like it's it's we're celebrating her and even though she has this weird history of diapers and shit it's like we love her nonetheless because we want to see her succeed. Like to to, to us as queer people, yes. it's like you're, you're you're shining a light on the person that isn't always getting the spotlight, and that's kind of exciting for us because we don't always get the spotlight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like you know what I mean? Well, I think a I think a lot of people say that oh, you know, we like to watch this to hate them or for the drama or whatever. But I think that you know, and I, I cited one study in the book where. I don't think that that's necessarily true. And when Luann DeLaSeps got arrested for being drunk in someone else's <sighs> hotel room and like kicking a cop, we loved it because it was messy, but we were also yeah. like, Luann, get get better. Like we're there's rooting for empathy. her. I think we've, yes. Like yeah. we feel towards these women where it's like, we're glad that you're a mess, but also yeah. we want you to get better, but only mm. better so much that you're, still a mess but mm -hmm. a contained mess <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like we i always say like we don't want our reality stars to grow and evolve too much yeah because then you know which is why bethany frankel isn't on the show anymore and what we love mm -hmm. about them yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, brian thank you so much well, she wants here. to be she wants to be a mogul yeah well, she yeah. is. Did you she watch her right. HBO Max show? Did I like, watch? I interviewed her for it. And I will say on the record <laughs> right now, I love Bethany Frankel and I've been a fan of Skinny Girl for years. I've been a fantasy Skinny Girl myself. And I was exposed to get a package, a promo package of stuff in the mail and it never came. It I'm never saying, came. I'm no longer Team Bethany. All right. <laughs> that show was a mess. That, that show was like so strange and uneven and had no stakes. It was so strange. And yeah. Yeah. Really odd. It was, Bethany. Yeah, it was very odd. And well, because I think that Bethany can't help but make herself the star of the show. Oh. And then she picked a format where the star of the show should actually be the people applying for the job. Yeah. And so it just like wait, but my favorite though all fit. My favorite though, and we'll end on this, is Bethany put out this when the show basically got canceled by HBO. And she put out this tweet or something by being like, I just want to focus more on my podcast so i decided not to go back to this mark burnett hbo produced show <laughs> right. sure girl right, sure right. you want to yeah, focus yeah, on yeah. your podcast yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, like people always ask me like oh did so and so leave on her own or get fired and it's like they all got fired yeah they all got fired yeah, with very few exceptions yeah. you know and a lot of times they're like i'm taking a step back i did my time sure. as a housewife and now i'm mo moving on no girl you got fired you have okay, all you got been let, fired. You got let go <laughs> Well, you're not yeah. getting fired anytime soon because you have employment forever if this franchise continues to go. That's right. Um, so thank you so much for, yeah, thanks, for doing Brian. this, Brian. We, we're going to people follow you on the internet and get the book, obviously. 
Um, you can find the book at thehousewivesbook.com and anywhere books are sold, including Targets and yes. um, right. airports, all sorts of places. <laughs> yeah. um, you can find me on um, all social media at Brian J. Moylan. And my grinder headline is Mustache Rides. So you can just, <laughs> you know, search, search Mustache Rides. Um, right. And also I do a, uh, every two weeks with New York Magazine, I do a Real Housewives Institute Bulletin, which is like Housewives News. I recap highlights. I write original stories. Um, I did a deep investigation into why Drake follows Lisa Rinna in this oh, past week's yeah. um, uh, <laughs> newsletter and so you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives and that comes every two weeks on fridays i love it well thank you so much brian we really appreciate you being here thank you for having me it was a pleasure and another thing so it turns out that people can actually use tiktok for something um (laughs) under the hashtag (laughs) tiktok for, for stuff I use TikTok all the time. I don't actually yeah, post to it, but I watch I know, it all the time. I know you guys are going to give me shit. Well, most normal people don't use TikTok. And, <laughs> but there's a hashtag trending right now called bottom talk, T-O-K. And TikTok has become a platform that allows younger, mostly generation, Gen Z men, LGBT men, um, or I should say gay men, to have frank conversations about the not so often broached topics of bottoming, including douching and what's called anal fissures, which made me lightheaded. And I <laughs> like it was like, Jesus Christ, I was reading an oh article God. about this and I was like, can you guys not make videos about that? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it also was interesting because the first time TikTok came up on this podcast, <clears throat> it was within the context that it was terrible at suppressing gay content. Yeah, uh, which it still does. Which, Still does. Which I'm sure, yeah, it still does, but it seems to have largely left that aside. It's it also the article made it seem like people kind of use some creative quirks to like get around some of the mm-hmm. censorship. Yeah. Um, but the 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 frankness of the conversations it was noted in this article uh, was was so kind of open that people were like, it's hard to imagine these videos on Facebook or Instagram. That this yeah. is only a TikTok phenomenon. Elliot, something... have you? Fa- oh, go ahead, Alan. Oh, no, please go ahead. I was going to say, Elliot, have you found any videos? I mean, are you, I would imagine that you're making videos to kind of teach people <laughs> sort of, sort of like Yoda. You're, you, you have all these, oh all God. this knowledge. So like, <laughs> have you made videos to share with people? No, but I will say like, although TikTok is not a, you know, sex ed clinic or whatever, there's no, no. professional counselors helping to explain it to you. It is wild. It is, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's an, I think it's an enormous disservice. There is an enormous disservice to gay people, especially gay guys, I would say. No, everybody. Queer people, about, queer like, people in general. Looks, yeah, yeah, about what it looks like for us to have sex and also the preconceived notions that you have to or you have to want to or what yeah. you do or what you don't do. And so, although I would not necessarily want to trust <laughs> hashtag bottom talk, I think it's great that I think it's similar to how we learned about sex. Honestly, if you if you really think about it, it's similar to how we learned about sex because yes. like you know the the well first off I have to say well, as soon as I heard bottom talk I literally imagine like a Linda Richmond being like bottoms talk, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's like where my brain went immediately. Yeah. Um yeah. but I I think in a in a weird way it's very similar to how we as kids sort of had to use porn and use 
you know, different things to learn about queer sex because sex ed didn't, I mean, sex ed is, and I I assume today it's probably still very heteronormative Mm -hmm. in that it is about procreation and only procreation. And that is what you learn about and you learn to avoid STDs. And that is sort of, that's how it works, which there is, I'm not necessarily, I don't know where I stand on sort of like, talking about sex for pleasure in sex ed. Like, I don't yeah, know I'm, I'm if it t- should, I'm on that too. If, if it should go in that direction, but I do think that a clinical discussion of sex and the avoidance of STDs and STIs can incorporate a queer narrative of non sort of pen- penetrative sex, the straight mm-hmm. heterosexual mm-hmm. sex. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, there yeah, can yeah. be a larger discussion that these school districts could include in. You know, I, I in, in, preparing for this discussion um you I, I, had three this, times, I, I did <laughs> I, I i passed out woke up in a cold sweat um but i i had the same thought which was like and i couldn't tell if it was like you know, maybe that you know tiny conservative part of my brain that was like should sex ed to you know middle schoolers i remember having sex ed in middle school uh maybe not everyone but like i think that's probably fairly in middle common school. Yeah. yeah should it like, obviously, I do think it's very fundamentally important to talk about avoiding having kids and STDs. Like, that is, I do think, the most important thing you can get from sex ed. Yeah. But should it entail discussion of pleasure? And, like, is that, and, and, and there's almost like a, like, I almost can't imagine that not being uncomfortable for kids, oh like, oh, yeah. for teachers, like, Ooh. But there I mean, still is talk about pleasure because they talk, I mean, I remember distinctly in my sex ed class, they talk about sort of like explaining erections and explaining when you're turned on and like how, as you're going through puberty, these things are natural, you know, reactions that happen sometimes more often than it yeah, would, yeah. you know, if you were just a full, right. you passed puberty or whatever. So like there is some discussion on pleasure and the reaction, the sexual reaction to our daily lives that how it's incorporated into our daily lives. I feel like yeah. that is already there. Yeah. And that is a place where you can have the discussion of, you know, and, and if, if, if you get this erection from <laughs> Jimmy or whatever, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything at this point or it does, or, and if it does, it doesn't matter. Cause it's great either yeah. way, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Complicated trying to explain this to kids. Yeah. Yeah. So complicated. I mean, that's kind of like, in all honesty, that's a reason why I think this is probably more of a good thing than, than bad. I mean, if anything, Mm -hmm. yes, it's not medical professionals, but at the same time, like if you have somebody who's around your age that can, I I guess, provide explanation that no, that no teacher or whomever counselor is really going to provide in an actual, like, place with some levity i, I see brent already yeah. smiling i know well, some I, well, I, I wanted, jokes no, coming no no elliot uh, but i wanted to sh- i i do remember this very distinctly i have a friend i think i've told this the story like years ago i have a friend who volunteered for a camp in los angeles that was like a female empowerment camp so mm-hmm. i guess apparently girls and boys have very similar levels of uh, self like self-esteem and self-respect until they hit like 12 or 13 right. and like girls kind of plummet at that point. Um, and so the camp was designed to like, like have girls of that age, go to the camp and just fill them with like, you know, wisdom and power and all the, you know, it's very, very much a hippie idea, but made sense, made perfect sense. And I think it's a great idea, but I remember 
one day asking my friend, I'm like, so what'd you guys do today? And she said, well, we spent the afternoon talking about the power of the clit. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and it's, and, and I thought it was, I mean, it, it, I thought it was very cool and made perfect sense, yeah. but it still took me a minute to be like, Oh, you did. Okay. I bet there, there is a focus. I mean, I, even looking back on my own sex ed, maybe I just focused on it more, but I do feel like they talked about erections more than they talked about female oh, stimulation sure. and sort of, and how women can be turned on and stuff. Like I do think it skews just like a lot of things in our country, very sort of patriarchal, very sort of male oriented. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember. I barely remember any of it, but I, <laughs> I think I remember like at that age also being like seeing uh, diagrams of like penises and stuff and vaginas and, yeah. and, and moaning in class. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like passing out. And somehow I convinced myself that I couldn't feel my crotch. Like, Oh, wow. More than once. I'd be like, oh, wow. there's, there's, there's nothing there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am obsessed. Do you do this? Is do you remember getting like boners in school? Yes. And like no, I, I remember, I remember really one time in particular having to like you know stand up and like give a talk or something, and I had like a raging boner, <laughs> and I forget oh, no. what like it was, I but it was like did. I like the did. most I scared I think I've been in my oh you masturbated what? at school? Yeah, I had to, I had to because it was <laughs> it was just like it was too much. It was just like okay, I'm gonna go to a stall here. I'm gonna do this thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's I had in, no wait, shame. Well, how old I were had you? No shame. I, well, I was. It was probably that was probably in high school. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that was in high school. But yeah. Who'd you think about? <laughs> Oh, who didn't I think about? That's the question. <laughs> Joey Lawrence. Joey Lawrence. <laughs> Give me. I, th I thought about the baby. What would your aunt say? Okay, Brent. What would Aunt Ramona say about something she heard today? Actually, I stan Andrew Lawrence, <laughs> the youngest Lawrence brother. Okay, all right. <laughs> actually very cute. Um, my aunt Joanne would say, I'll do bottom talk. If you want me to do bottom talk, tell Ellen, I'll do bottom talk. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My aunt Anne would say, when I was in school, we had sex ed right before lunch. So I've always associated sex with lunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aunt Anne. Anne Thanks Anne. for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I am H. Allen Scott. Dun, dun, dun. The baby! Thank you.